Hello, you're listening to Eve, Where Are You? A show designed to confront toxic practices against women in the church. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Davis, conflict coach and resolutionist. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. This is part two of my interview with Natasha Small, my writing coach for my newly released book, Eve, Where Are You? In part one, we covered a number of questions that you will find to be quite interesting. And I'm learning so much about you, Natasha, and enjoying this conversation. Right now is a good time to share this podcast with your friends, your colleagues, family, fellow church members, whoever you can think of, because you want to hear what we are talking about as it relates to women in leadership, specifically in the church. Also, when you get an opportunity, I invite you to check out our website, empowertoengage.com. My husband, Tony, and I provide various coaching and consulting services for individuals, couples, families, and organizations. I also have a website, evewhereareyou.com, where you can learn more about the book. And we have additional books as well on our Empower to Engage website or on Amazon about parenting, marriage, and personal and leadership development. Once again, this evening, Eve is being represented by Natasha Small. Welcome back, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And I want you to know, I've had a chance to listen uh, to part one. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely fascinating. Has anyone ever told you that? <laughs> I'm going to take that, wrap that in velvet, put it in my soul, and keep it with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> yes, you are fascinating. I loved it. I loved it. So if you haven't heard it, please listen to part one of our conversation. So without further ado, we can go ahead and get started. And we're going to pick up with this question. And we're talking about the book and the writing and uh, getting into the chapters and what uh, the layout is going to be or was going to be for the book. What were the most important elements of this topic that you felt you were helping to make sure I demonstrated or conveyed in this book? Um, I think one of the things that we talked about in uh, part one was to really hit head on the scriptures that are used so often to uh, cripple women in ministry and also to keep women from leadership positions in the church. Uh, Dealing with the scriptures, uh, women keep silent in the church, suffer not a woman to teach a man, wives submit to your husbands. These types of scriptures that have a uh, kind of a, a totalitarianism type ring to them unfortunately are being misinterpreted. And those are the scriptures that I think even well-meaning people are using to keep women uh, from leadership positions and women from being pastors, women from being bishops, women from operating in any type of policymaking position in the church. And uh, so we wanted to deal with that head on. We wanted that one to to just hit it first because People who are are dealing with these types of things and people who have been in the church for a while, especially more traditional churches, the first thing that comes to their mind when you talk about women in any type of position is that woman is has a Jezebel spirit. Uh, 
She's trying to get to the, you know, the head. She's trying to usurp the power of a man. That's not the order of God. And uh, immediately they turn you off and they don't want to hear anything that you have to say. So we wanted, the first thing I wanted to do was put those scriptures up front, knock them off of their pedestals in the beginning. And I also wanted to deal with women who are in agreement with this type of teaching. And again, for the most part, I don't think it's their fault per se. I think it's because it's traditionally been taught in the church. You even talked about in your book, it never even occurred to you that you had never had a female pastor. It wasn't something that you were thinking about. This was not, you know, lead the charge, you know, and this whole thing, Nicole, and let's get some more women up. No, that was not what you were thinking about at all. Because again, in a subconscious way, this thing is taught to us, but then also in a very conscious way, uh, it's brought before us all the time. And it's uh, put before us again, because of these particular scriptures. And a third thing that I really uh, thought was important for us to deal with in the book was to talk about the hypocrisy of the pastors who do not mind taking women's financial help, their physical health, congregational, organizational uh, help and galvanizing leadership in the church. They don't mind us doing those types of things, but they, when it comes to, again, any type of governance, policymaking, things of that nature, we are to shut up. Suddenly at that point, it's just like, nope, we'll take your blood, your sweat, your tears and your money. But when it comes to you having to say so in any of this, or when it comes to even God speaking a word through you to the help of and to the salvation of the congregation or those coming into the congregation, nope, you're not allowed. So those are the things that, you know, uh, we talked about and we felt it was the best thing to do to go to those situations first and everything else would blossom from there. And what was the process like as we developed each chapter? What were you looking for um, as you were reading what I would submit to you? What what was helping you know that, okay, she's getting it? Because, you know, I was writing those chapters over and over again. <laughs> so can you talk about that? Yes, I can. <laughs> and you are not alone. We all do it. Every single, I don't care who you are, if you're the greatest writer on the planet or somebody who is just a novice, everybody, writing is rewriting. You've heard that so many times, and that is so true. In this particular case, um, I think uh, we talked also in part one about uh, you had been writing from an academic perspective for such a long time. We were talking about penetrating that so that you would, again, allow the organic side of you to come through and let those words just spill out, uh, but yet in a uh, scholarly fashion, but a scholarly fashion that could be uh, reached, uh, that the reader could uh, be connected to. So. It was a lot for a while there, there was a staunchness to what you were writing and you had the idea of what we were talking about. And I knew you knew exactly what it was because again, when we spoke about it on the phone, your passion was enormous. But then when you would send me the chapters or you would send me whatever the assignment was, again, there was this restraint. There was, you know, this, this wall up where you were saying things one way, instead of saying, I'm gonna knock you flat on your head or I'm gonna knock you flat on your face. You were saying things like, you know, the projectile from point 40, 45 degree angle to 16, you know, with my uh, uh, epidurus 
on my knuckles, connecting with the epidurus on your face will put you at a complete flesh level with the floor <laughs> instead of saying, I'm going to knock you on your face. And, and we, we, we talked about that and we pushed and we pushed, but it wasn't a long process. I mean, I think maybe a couple of rewrites and then around about the third time, oh, you had it. You had it because once again, you had permission to just be free. Uh, you, the way you wanted to frame the book, the people that you wanted to have access to the book, the uh, platforms that you wanted the book to be available on. Sometimes those people have uh, tradi uh, particular traditions that they follow and the book must be like this and it must be worded this way and that way. And I think you never said it, but maybe in the back of your mind, you might have been thinking that, like, well, you know, well, if I if I hit this too hard, is it going to come across as uh, is it going to take it out of the scholarly realm if I do this, if I do that? But once you were clear that it was going to, in fact, fit the, the mode that you wanted the book to be in and you could still also organically speak from your heart what it was that you wanted to be said then you were, you know, was full steam ahead. So it was just, and that's with all, you know, any client, that's not just you, that's any client. Because again, that's one of the reasons that you hire a writing coach, because there are things that are going on in your mind. You're not exactly sure how it's going to present on the page, but also there's a lot of times when we just don't know um, what's the right way to go. What's the pathway? How do I get from point A to point H, you know, and from H, how do I get to T? That's the, the purpose of a, of a book coach. So once we were able to get through that particular barrier, you started flying after that. Well, and I can speak to that a little bit because I know one of my biggest concerns was coming across either angry mm -hmm. or like a radical feminist. And I didn't want that to be associated with the book in any way because I'm not angry. Right. Uh, I just believe and it's the conviction of the Lord that it is time to have an, a, a intellectual, reasonable, and um, uh, authentic or integral conversation. Like, let's just be honest about what we know, what the scriptures say, and what makes sense. And so as I was writing, that was always in the back of my mind. Okay, just make sure you're not sounding angry. You know, just make sure uh, these these thoughts or these ideas that you're proposing uh, don't seem too too radical is the, the best word that comes to my mind. So I was always thinking about that, you know, as I was writing, but still wanting people to feel it like you need to know how serious this is. This issue is serious. Uh, and it, and I'm hearing that, you know, as people are reading it and they're they're coming back and giving the feedback. So it worked. What we were doing worked. What you were doing, how you were helping me, it worked. I think I, what I really, uh, well, what I also want to know is because as you were reading it, you know, each time you were reading, you'd be like, okay, no, not, not this one or not this section or not this part. How did you know, like what would happen in you or as you were reading it? Like, how did you know, okay, this chapter is finally accomplishing what is in what the intended message is well um you're asking some really good questions because you would say that <laughs> natasha you would yeah. say 
you would say this is it or you hit it (laughs) yeah yeah and what would happen well you know it's like anything else um nicole there is something that happens in the world of artistry now people have a tendency to think that because a book is nonfiction, or because a book is uh, like in your case, an expert book, that there's not a lot of artistry in it. It's mainly, um, there's craft, but it's mainly just being able to articulate the points. And I've read books like that, you've read books like that, but what is always missing from those books is the soul of the book, okay? They'll have everything in order, but something is holding back the absolute soul of what it is that the writer is trying to get across to the audience. And I don't know exactly what it was inside that made me, when I read this, say, oh, okay, she did the XYZ formula. Oh, there it is. She put the, you know, the Pentecost uh, formula in place. Oh, this is the theory of, no, there is just a connection of the soul. And when I read the uh, excerpts that you would send in where you found that balance of being able to give the passion, but also be able to give the arguments and the points in a very direct communicative way where it's, if you are reasonable and rational, you will understand it. When you have something like that, you've got a soul. It's the soul of the book. So there's not even, so for you to do it with your work, there was a certain something that required a connection in the way we did it. But I can work with somebody else in the exact same way. And if they did what you did, it wouldn't come off the same way. Because there's that individual uh, passion soul and whatever your assignment is that's inside of you that clicks and connects and it goes down onto the page. My a job as the coach is to lead you to that place, my job, but it's it's different for each person. It's similar across the board, but it's different for each person. And again, going back to your basic personality, you have a can-do personality. The best way to get you to do something is to say, mm, I'm not sure if you've got it, because that fires your jets, okay? That makes you go, well, I'm going to get it. So I think that you also, I think you started digging, you started digging inside. And because, you know, again, you're a really good writer, you're extremely intelligent, and you're an excellent student. So for someone to say, oh, this is not right, the first time, it's okay. But the second time to go, well, no, I'm looking for ABC, that fires your engines and you go, okay, I've got to get it. So it caused you to dig deeper. And then you did, you hit soul, you hit soul, and you were able to connect that with what it is that you're saying, but again, to not be argumentative with it and to not be um, uh, aggressive with it, but passionate. Like you said, I want you to understand this is real. This is how I feel. This is imminent. It's something we need to discuss now, but not in a way where people would feel threatened or intimidated. So it's, it's, it's a certain kind of uh, 
uh, it's kind of, uh, to a certain degree, there's a spiritual sense. Faith without works is dead. You know, you can have all the, I believe, I believe I can do this and God has called me to this, but you got to roll up your sleeves and do the work too. So it was a combination of all of that. You rolled up your sleeves, you did the work. And again, all I have to do is look at it. Cause again, being an editor and a wordsmith and a, a book coach, I just know it when I see it. It's kind of like you will hear that a lot of times from artisans where it's just like, well, how do you know? And they go, I don't know. I just know it when I see it. So it was kind of like that with this. Mm. I just knew it when I saw it. It was like, bingo, there it is. Because as I'm reading it, because I have to also look at it from the perspective of those people who are not going to be in agreement with your vision. So I have to look at it and say, I'm that person and I'm reading this book. As I'm looking at this thing, what am I feeling? Am I feeling attacked? Am I feeling as if she's saying, yeah, I'm talking to you? Am I feeling as if she is somehow, you know, separating me from uh, knowing God and understanding God's word and saying that because I don't agree with her point of view, therefore I don't understand the word of God. I have to look at it from that perspective because when I see those things, I have to come back to you and go, yeah, but this, 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 yeah, but we're going to have some people whose feathers are going to be ruffled for no reason because of ABC. When we've, you know, once we're at a place where I can read it from the perspective of I agree with this and from the perspective of I don't agree with this and on both sides, I see clarity, we got a winner. And you did that masterfully, I have to tell you, because there would be times just like when we're specifically talking about chapter two, when we get into the scriptures and really go after, you know, the thoughts around all of the contentious scriptures you were like, no, I need you to go harder here. But then there would be other parts and you'd be like, uh, Nicole, this is a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> you're going a little far. And it's like, my goodness. So one minute you're like, you're coaching me up where I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the next is like, okay, get back, sit down, stand down, ma'am. <laughs> I know that can be so <laughs> confusing on the one hand, but it's one of those types of situations, again, where it's like anything else. It's such uh, the work that's involved in these kinds of projects is, uh, I'll use your word, masterful. It has to be masterful because, again, you have to strike the right balance. And so uh, just like an area or a cantata, you know, there are portions where uh, the tenor will swell, you know, and the soprano will come in, the first soprano will come in, and it's just like notes that you didn't even think were, you know, on the planet. They come in, but then there's a silence, or it comes all the way down, or or it goes up. It goes into like a, um, uh, what is it, a, um, uh, I can't think of the term right now, but it is very choppy, just bing, 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 bang, bang, bang. So it, it all depends, but all of those things have to come together. But again, when you have a team that works, one will be able to feel the other. One will be able to understand the other. To what I think I said in part one is that, you know, as a, a client, you just can't take everybody as a client. There has to be some uh, simpatico there. There's got to be connection. There's got to be relationship. And it, that same relationship has to be not only with the person, but connected to the work as well. So when I'm looking and I see from the first time I read the, um, the dissertation, I know where this thing needs to go. 
but I'm not exactly sure how to get there right at that particular moment, but I see where we want to take it. And you told me where you wanted to take it. So at that point, you just have to, it has to just culminate in your mind, but it's a continual process. It, it, it goes on after, like, again, we discussed on the phone several times the things that we wanted to do, or the things that you were interested in doing. And then I had to decide, you know, well, what's the best way to go there or things that I wanted to go. And you were like, I'm not necessarily in agreement with that. And you being the client, we've got to go in that direction, in the direction that you see fit. But it is something that is, um, uh, I'm trying to keep from using the word magical because that's not the word I want to use, but there's something in it. There's a connection and it is spirit and it's life and it comes alive. And, you know, that's the thing about words. I mean, uh, the scientists already tell us conversations that went, that, uh, you know, were spoken on the planet 10,000 years ago are still reverberating through the air. Those words never die because of the law of sound. So they're constantly going, words are so important. They have so much life. And just because we capture them and put them on the page doesn't mean they die. They're still alive because a human person looking at those words, those things just resurrect, they come alive. So there's all different kinds of things that you have to connect in order to make it um, the way that you want it to be. But in your case, and because of, like you said, how the Lord just put me there as far as me having had some background in this area and me having dealt with some of these things, I think it also uh, opened up something in me that gave me an opportunity to be able to go. I knew what I wanted to see out of this book too. Not just what you wanted to see out of it, but I knew what I wanted to see out of it too. And we were able to come together and make that happen. So Natasha, who do you think should read this book? It's easier to say who I think shouldn't read the book. That, that's a much easier question. Um, and I'm going to take the liberty of answering that question. The person that should not read this book or the people that should not read this book are people who sincerely have absolutely no interest whatsoever in seeing uh, the kingdom of God come, uh, the, the, uh, the message of the kingdom of God and the laws and the governance of the kingdom of God come to earth and be practiced on the earth, especially when it comes to women and especially dealing with the church. The people who are not interested in that, they shouldn't read this book. But anybody outside that category, oh, they need to read it. They need to read it. They really and truly need to understand what's involved because this is beyond um, women's rights. This is beyond feminism. This is not really in those arenas at all. This is the furthering of and even the establishment of the kingdom of God here on the planet. And to think that you're going to be able to do that without having women in leadership is to completely and totally say that the Old Testament is null and void. Because look at how many women leaders uh, did what they did. And if they hadn't done what they had done, Israel never would have been able to uh, go and succeed in the way that they wanted to succeed. And I just can't understand how God in the Old Testament would say this is cool, but in the New Testament go, eh, change my mind, sit them down. You know, you guys take the wheel. It just doesn't make sense. Do you have a favorite part of this book? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, I, I'm not going to say it's my favorite part, but, you know, I really like the participants talking and their discussions. It's so interesting to see 
the, the workings of the mind in what people say and what they actually feel based on the questions that you asked the participants. Because from uh, the first time they're introduced in the book until the very last comments that they make, there's a journey that's going on with each one of them. And some say one thing, but they really think another. And others say exactly what they mean. And, you know, and they are consistent all the way down the line, as all people are. You know, sometimes it's not until we're talking about things do we really realize how we feel about these things in our hearts. But I thought I really enjoyed that portion of the book because it's so relatable. And I think that most of your readers would be able to find themselves in, uh, if not one of the participants, at least find themselves pieces of themselves in maybe a few of the participants or all of the participants, because that really added a um, uh, a very down to earth touch. And also, like I said, I think it was organic to just the readers in general. I think that they can all find somebody in those participants that they agree with and they help to further uh, the discussion and to also give it a level of realism because you certainly had enough of them and what they talked about, I dare anybody, any of your readers not to uh, see themselves in at least one of them. Now you mentioned those who shouldn't read mm -hmm. the book. And then there's a, there's a group of people who would be in the middle. These would be those who are struggling. You know, they, they're not quite sure. Mm -hmm. So what words of encouragement or advice would you offer a man or a woman who is struggling with accepting women in leadership roles in the church or at all? Well, I, I think the first thing that those people would want to ask themselves is why they feel this way. And I am going to make some assumptions here and say that those people will probably answer because it is not scriptural. That is what I think is the number one answer. Now, there might be others who just simply say, because I just think it's wrong and I don't care what you say to me, I'll never accept it. Well, those people who have made a decision that they're never going to accept it, there's no encouraging for them. But for anybody who like the ones who may think, oh, well, I think it's not scriptural. I would say, I would challenge those people to do a scriptural study along with reading the book. And the things that they come to in the book that say one thing that they feel is against scripture, that person read the book with the scripture right there next to them and look at whatever it is, the stumbling block for them. And they do a study on that scripture. They do a study on the scriptures, what you're saying and what the script and see what conclusions they come to. Because the thing of it is, Nicole, is the bottom line is it's always going to be about your heart. When your heart is to do right, but you've just learned things incorrectly, the Lord is there. He says when we sin, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But also if you misunderstand. He's faithful and just. If you come to him and say, I don't understand, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of that misunderstanding and to help us understand. So we, if you really want to really want to do right, and, and you had an example of that happen in your own life with your old church and, and your uh, pastor uh, at that time, if you if your heart is to do right and you present that to the Lord that you want to do right, he will show you. He will definitely, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what is the right thing. I think what's going on with some people is they're not interested in doing right. 
And if you're not interested in doing right, you could write a volume of books, Nicole, that were able to completely and totally make 17 arguments and produce all types of receipts for everything that you had to say. And these people would not accept it because they're not interested in doing right. Those people, there's nothing you can do about them. But the people who really and truly are like, it's not that I personally have anything against women. I just don't think it's scripturally so. Get the book, read the book, take your, you know, I'm sure you don't mind, uh, Nicole, people taking their highlighters and their markers and going through and all those things you have a problem with, do a word study on it. Pray on that and see what God says to you. If after all of that, and you know, and you still feel that the Lord is telling you, nope, they don't belong here. Well, there's nothing I can do or say to that. But I am, I guarantee if your heart is right and you're really looking to do uh, what thus saith the Lord and you really and truly want to know, get the book, do a word study, do a word study on those things in the book and see what happens. And I can just add to that. That's really good. We, when I say we, Tony and I actually have done a number of uh, podcasts discussing every one of the scriptures that we talk about in chapter two to help people do a word study or a Bible study to help them have a better understanding of those scriptures contextually so that they can have a better understanding of really what the scriptures say. Now, of course, we're not theologians by any stretch of the imagination, but we have ample resources that can help us, as does anyone, to, ex to go in and see what the word says. And we say, like the Bible says, be a Berean, study the word for yourselves and not just take what other people are saying, because a lot of times that's where it comes from. It's just what we've been taught and we've not taken the time to really to see, is this true? Is this really true? Is this accurate? Uh, and we do have the ability and the liberty to do that for ourselves if mm -hmm. we so choose. Indeed. I agree. So the next question is, are you still taking clients? Are you coaching these days? I know you got a, a few projects going on just in case, because I'm sure somebody's <laughs> going to be listening to this and say, Ooh, well, <laughs> I need a Natasha in my life. Well, what I will say is I am still looking at manuscripts. I'm definitely doing that. And um, as I stated earlier and, and uh, have stated, reiterated again and again, is that if there is a connection if there is a connection with myself and the client, by all means, by all means, I'll make the time to uh, to do whatever it is that needs to be done now. Uh, and also, if I were if someone were to present a manuscript to me and I passed on it and I said, well, you know, this is really good work. I just don't think that I'll be a good match for this. It doesn't mean it's not good. And it doesn't mean that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with the person. It doesn't mean that at all. Again, there's so many elements that have to be in place in order for these types of things to, uh, to work. So yes, I am always, I'm never going to cut myself off from looking at manuscripts unless I feel that I would be doing a disservice to my clients because I just have too many. Now that's a totally different story, but I'm always going to look at and uh, talk to people and it depends on their timeline because somebody could give me a manuscript today, but they might not want me to work on it today. You know, they might say, you know, I think I'm going to be ready to do this in about six months because there's a financial commitment that goes along with it as well. And everybody has different timetables for that too. But for the most part, 
I, whenever anybody contacts me or whenever anybody talks to me, I always say, well, let me see what you have after I hear what the project is. I mean, because we could have some projects that simply just go against what I believe. I do not take projects that I do not believe in. Let me just make that, just put that out there. Um, and not being stiff or persnickety. It's just simply that I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, years ago, when I was still teaching um, uh, teaching fiction writing uh, at the college, uh, there were this one, one of my students who was uh, did a lot of, because I not only was I doing that, I was doing seminars, just like that. And so she was attended a lot of my seminars, and I know we were very close. And uh, there was a student that I had from Korea very respectful man, excellent writer, but he wanted me to work on uh, his um, project, and it was under the Sun Young Moon um, umbrella, and so a lot of the things in there were teaching from that perspective, and one of the things in the writing that he gave, because I am not in any way, shape, or form an expert on that religion, but one of the, the a lot of the stuff that he had given me to read and to look at was definitely anti-Christ, and it was saying Jesus was not the Son of God, and things of that nature, and somebody could say, well, my goodness, if you cut yourself off like that, you won't get that many clients. Oh, I'm doing just fine, and that is the one thing. I, I don't take any projects that go against what I believe, which is why I am a freelancer, which is why I work for myself, which is why I don't work in a major corporation, because they can tell you whatever they want. You can't, but I work for myself. And so consequently, I can decide what I will and won't do. So uh, there are certain things um, that and it doesn't mean that the work is not good. His work was wonderful and the pay was great, but for what he wanted me to do, because it was ongoing, it was an ongoing thing for one of their magazines. And uh, the lady that I mentioned to you, uh, the one who used to do it, I asked her if she wanted to do it. She didn't have those you know, particular, she had a different set of standards. And so she was just fine with it. And she worked with them for, oh, several months. But uh, so that's what I mean when I say there, there are some things I don't do, uh, but, and I will tell you that I would never, ever, you know, just take it for money, even though I'm not in agreement with it or don't believe in it. Mm -mm. But other people uh, in the past that I don't think anybody would ever be able to give you a story where I turned them down and I was rude or I was off putting or whatever. But they will let you know, yes, she will tell you this is uh, not the kind of project that I work on. So but no. But yes, I'm open in answer to your original question. I am open to look at any material, and I will definitely let people know whether or not I'd be able to work. Well, what's the best way for people to um, connect people with you? People can go right to uh, just uh, email. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, my email is writerslikeus at yahoo.com, and that's W-R-I-T-E-R-S-L-I-K-E-U-S at yahoo.com. Just send me an email. Just say hi. I, you know, heard about you through... Uh, um, the podcast, and I have something that I'm interested in you looking at. Is it okay for me to send it to you? And then we can go from there. Natasha, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share as we wrap up this lovely conversation? <laughs> well, what I would like to say is that your audience should <laughs> definitely be prepared to hear about more from you. <laughs> 
in the future, <laughs> they should definitely be prepared to hear your name uh, spoken uh, in so many different circles concerning this and probably some other topics as well. But I know especially this one because it is so close to your heart. And I would certainly hope that uh, your listeners will read the book, uh, Eve, where are you? And I, I do hope so very much that people who perhaps are touched with um, these particular instances and, and are under this weight, that they would be set free by the book. And also that people would really and truly make a decision to not play God, but to actually hear from him and have relationship with him and have a heart for him, man, things will change in your life. Oh, things will change in your life for the good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So uh, that's always the thing because we are eternal. These bodies are temporary. We are eternal. And, you know, eternity is the society that we're looking to make sure we have the proper standing in. This earth is temporary. Girl, yesterday I was six. Today, um, way older than six. So, you know, it's just <laughs> a whole lot older than six. So it's, and it happens so quickly. So, I mean, you know, again, the, this earth is so yes. temporary and I'm so sorry I'm not, I'm off my preacher stand. I just want people to know and to recognize that, uh, your heart sold out to God. And that's a religious term. I hate saying things religiously, but it just means just be real for him. He's so real for you. And and things will come together. That's Those are my final words. Natasha, thank you so much. I appreciate you more than you will ever know. And I thank you for spending this time with me on these two episodes, <laughs> nice long episodes. People are, they can just sit back with some popcorn a cup of tea and a, a notepad, of course, <laughs> and enjoy it's this, Natasha. Thank you thank so much you. for having me. And to our listeners, I truly hope that something that was shared will help you as you're making decisions about your next steps and how you want to live this one life that you have that God has given you. And as always, I want you to remember that you are beautifully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. There are no limits to what you are capable of becoming, so don't accept any. It has truly been my pleasure to spend this time with you, and please, please take care of yourselves. If you have a topic you would like to hear discussed, please submit them at eveworeareyou.com. Or for church leaders in need of assistance in addressing these types of matters, please contact me by going to my website to submit a request for consultation. To stay connected, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Nicole Davis one and Instagram at Eve. Where are you now with that said, let's go be a positive force and lift up every woman everywhere. Thank you for listening. <laughs>